eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, we talked about it going into last week's game against Georgia. This was going to be a potential program-changing type game. Florida comes out down 14 nothing right off the bat. It uh, was not the most ideal start for the Gators. But, uh, Blake, I mean, at the end of the day, forget the start. Florida managed to come back. I think they went on a 37-7 run. And at the end of the day, Florida ends up pulling out a 44-28 to win. I guess just right off the bat, what are your takeaways from this game in terms of what it means for Florida and and kind of how things unfolded. You know, it's it's funny to start out the game. I had some friends that were there, and, you know, Florida goes down 14-0, to and I'm getting all sorts of texts like, why did I come to this game? This is the worst, like, blah, 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 this, blah, 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 that. And, you know, the whole time I'm thinking, you know, obviously a 14-0 to deficit, you know, that's not great. Georgia obviously came out really strong. But the whole time you have to keep in your back pocket that Florida does have a really explosive offense. Yes, the defense didn't start out great. I think the game planning, obviously, things went well as the game continued to go on. But Florida just has such an explosive offense that, you know, you just can't count them out whenever you can look at what they can do, quickly turn things around, obviously pull it away late. So great game by them, great game by Kyle Trask. And I think when you look from top to bottom, I think Dan Mullen and his coaching staff, when you look at just the game plan they have, I think they executed it really well. And I think, uh, you know, top to bottom, just a really good game. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it going in, you know, that the numbers certainly didn't support the idea that Dan Mullen, you know, does well against Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart has really had Dan Mullen's number. And I think Saturday was really the first time that we saw that Dan Mullen commandingly won that matchup. You know, obviously the Georgia defense had some guys banged up. You know, Richard LeCount was out, Jordan Davis, Julian Rochester. I thought that helped Florida in the trenches a little bit. We talked about it going into the show. You know, Florida won this game in a lot of different areas. I mean, we thought if Florida you know, was going to win this game that they'd probably have to start early. That would be the best blueprint to success. They didn't do that. And we're still able to win the game. And I think a big part of that is because of another key that we looked at Florida had to win in the trenches. And you look at what Florida did on both the offensive line and the defensive line outside of really that hot start for Georgia, Florida controlled the line of scrimmages on both sides. I mean, you, you look at those first two Georgia drives where, you know, the Florida on the very first play of the game, they're not aligned, right. They don't adjust to the strength of the formation after Georgia motions over and they run for 75-yard touchdown. Well, after that and the ensuing drive where they, they picked up 61 yards, Georgia only had about another 130 yards the entire rest of the game. You know, so obviously Florida's defense managed to find some things that worked for it and kind of lock in. But I think, I mean, you just can't say enough about the, the type of offensive game plan that Dan Mullen drew up against one of the league's best defenses. I mean, Florida had 
exactly what it wanted to do. And credit to the players, too. They came out and they converted. I mean, a lot of the touchdown catches that were made, Trayvon Grimes, absolutely ridiculous touchdown catch. Kyle Pitts, absolutely ridiculous touchdown catch over a defender. So it's not like – it's not – you know, as well as Florida scheme this thing, too, they also had players execute. And in a lot of ways, that was kind of what kept Florida from winning last year. I mean, if they had come out and executed on defense on a couple of those plays – we might've been talking about Florida winning this game last year, but I think for me being able to see Florida kind of put it all together. Um, there's still a lot of ways that this team can grow, but you have to be encouraged by the fact that now you've finally gotten over that Georgia hump and now you've kind of got everything in front of you going forward. Absolutely. And we said, even heading into this game that, you know, if, if not this year, then when, and I think Florida just has enough pieces there. Obviously, whenever you have a Georgia defense that was banged up, it, it obviously helps Florida. But I go back to you, man, what you said about just how they did in the trenches. I thought that, yes, that's definitely the key to the game, but I thought Florida way over ex- exceeded my expectations of what I thought they would do in the trenches. I thought the offensive line did a really good job giving them some push there. I also think when you look at how Dan Mullen schemed to use the, uh, the, the running backs in the passing game as well, too, that to me seemed like the difference in the game because a guy like Malik Davis, uh, Naquan Wright, those were some of the big difference makers there to kind of help Florida use these running backs in different ways. I, I don't know. The running game has had some success, but whenever you look at those guys and what they do with them in the passing game, I thought that that was a big part of the game too and really helped Florida move the change because it's just so hard. I mean, that wheel route was open all day, every day in that game. When we talked to, you know, we talked to Brian Johnson going into the game beforehand, and he said basically when you're playing a team as talented as Georgia, you're not going to have a lot of open plays. You're not going to have a lot of busts, right? And I think we actually saw more of those type of bust plays than I would have thought. But also, you know, Florida clearly identified they liked their running backs against Georgia's linebackers in man coverage. And obviously, Georgia has some pretty good backers. But you saw Malik Davis had a huge game. And, and some of these catches that he made, you know, I think of the one diving one he made on the wheel route, just a terrific catch. That's a, that's a you know, a real kind of a pro player catch right there. You know what I mean? And Florida had to make some of those. I go back to, you know, the, the two in the end zone to, to Grimes and Pitts. Florida had to make some big boy plays, and they came out and did it. And I think – you know, the ability for Dan Mullen to kind of find that matchup and lean on it. You know, they went back to it time and time again. I think they hit the wheel route something like eight times to different guys too. And they disguise it very well. That's something that was kind of a big topic today for Dan Mullen on his Monday press conference from the media was just harping on that idea that when Dan Mullen finds a concept, he's got a lot of window dressing. You know, he can dress it up in different ways, run it out of different formations, different looks. So as a defense, you never quite see the same thing twice. But Florida's identifying what kind of coverage you're in based on, you know, the motion that they use to, to allow Kyle Trask to figure it out. And then they're, they're going to hit you with it, you know, and they're going to hit you with it repeatedly until you figure out how to stop it. And I thought that was really impressive. But, Blake, I want to go back to the offensive line a little bit because I, we've thought they're a, a, an improved unit this year. There's no question about it that they've taken a big step forward from last year. But even so, there's been some question marks. You know, Stuart Reese up until this Georgia game, had not really done anything to make me think he was one of the better offensive linemen. You know, a lot of issues here and there in pass protection, I've thought, and I've said this on the podcast in the past, I thought when he's pulling in the run game, he just hadn't quite finished the way you like to see. I thought in the first half of this Georgia game, he was one of the guys that really helped set the tone. And I thought Richard Guraj, same thing. Florida's guard play in this game on the interior of the offensive line was really, really good from the jump. Stuart Reese had his best game, and I don't think it was close, in the first half before he left with a shoulder injury. So not only was the offensive line good early, but even after Stuart Reese left the game for a little bit and John DeLance left the game, and you have literally a true freshman and Joshua Braun in there filling in for Reese at right guard, 
And then later in the game, Michael Tarquin steps in at right tackle. That line still held its own against Georgia. And to me, I think John Hevesy deserves a lot of credit. You know, we, we've talked a lot about recruiting and we kind of harp on that a lot because we're a recruiting site. You know, Swamp 24-7 is a recruiting-based organization. That's our, that's our bread and butter. But when you talk about this Florida coaching staff and the development and the ability to draw up plays, draw up a game plan, Hevesy deserves as, as much credit as, as maybe anybody else on that staff right now for what his unit was able to do against a really good Georgia defensive line to me. Absolutely. And, you know, you kind of look at, you know, even Ethan White, who, you know, is still dealing with some injuries and coming back and, and is, is on the up and up to, to be back this season. But you look at him from a ranking standpoint, I think he was ranked somewhere in the thousands coming out of high school, obviously playing at a really high level would have been Florida or likely would have been Florida starting center or some capacity would have been somewhere involved in that interior part of the line. I thought you hit the nail on the head too with Josh Braun. I think he was a guy that yeah, he was a four-star. He was like, a, I think, a 91 grade. I mean, he was a guy that was a, you know, a higher-level guy that John Hevesy has recruited, but really didn't do a lot of camps, didn't really get his name out there as far as you know, someone who – those kind of things help recruiting analysts get a better idea when you see guys go against other top D1 guys. But I think that he really held his own as well, too. I think he was really impressive. And I think that when you look at Florida's offensive line, I think that this unit can continue to keep building – um, keep adding some pieces and keep hitting on your evaluations. I think it has a, a really good chance of being one of the strengths of Florida's team down the road. Maybe not this year. Obviously, they have some some deficiencies here and there, and guys aren't putting together complete games. But I think that the the future looks really bright in the trencher for Florida. And I think John Hevesy, I agree with you, deserves a lot of a lot of praise for the guys that he's brought in. Sometimes it doesn't look good here in the recruiting trail. You look at it, and you're like, man, what's this guy doing? But eventually, it does seem to work out, and it does show that there is some some method to the badness there. Well, and you talk about the future, I think this Georgia game, I think, allows Florida fans to see kind of the long term. And I, I thought the danger in losing this game was that, you know, fans can kind of lose the big picture. You know, when Scott Strickland brought in Dan Mullen, he brought in a guy that he knew over time would develop a sustainable program. And I think that's the key part is the sustainable program. Right. Mississippi State sustained its high level of success under Dan Mullen for nine years. There, there's a reason that Dan Mullen is one of the most successful coaches in Mississippi State history, and it's been hard to replicate that. I mean, the guy that, that came after him got fired in two years. Mike Leach is struggling right now. The, the reason Dan Mullen is able to build sustainable programs, I think, is because he trusts his guys to develop the kind of talent you're talking about. And I think one of the most encouraging parts, kind of twofold here, is yes, you've seen that offensive line go through some growing pains, but now you're starting to see it take on a more full full look, right? Like now you're starting to see that Florida gets seven, eight deep on the offensive line. You've got your starting five. Now you've got Josh Braun, who's getting really quality snaps as a true freshman. That's a guy that's going to be an all-SEC type player down the road if he continues to progress. You got Michael Tarquin stepping in. Again, same type of thing. These are, these are players that you're going to be counting on to play a major role going forward. Ethan White, they're hoping to get him back next week. All of a sudden, you're talking about being eight deep on the offensive line. And when you've got guys that can rotate in like that, not only do you see Florida start to stay fresh in the fourth quarter of games, you know, individual games, but you start to see them build that unit where there's not as much drop off year to year. And I think that's the thing about Dan Mullen's program that they're really good at. They get, and you see it at quarterback, especially, I mean, they, they get these younger quarterbacks in so that when it is their turn to take over, there's not a whole lot of drop off from year to year. And that's why I think Florida is going to be in a place to compete for championships year in and year out under Dan Mullen. Having won this Georgia game now, now you can really ramp it up, right? Now the recruiting takes maybe a little bit of a step up. And Dan Mullen talked about it today. They've been on the phone with guys nonstop. 
you know, committed guys, guys that are targets, and the energy level, he said, is just unbelievable right now. That's when you start to, now you've established, you've, you've kind of already established your foundation, right, if you're Dan Mullen. This Georgia win, to me, kind of uncaps, you know, the lid. And now you can really check out where that, that actual upside is because you're starting to see it. And I think, you know, the, the sustainability of the program and what they're doing you're starting to see just so many encouraging signs. But like I said, you know, in the SEC, the margin for error is so thin. And, you know, this game wasn't guaranteed. I mean, there were times this game could have swung the other way. And I think for Florida to have come out with a win, it just means it, it's really hard for me, Blake, to undersell what this win meant for the program. Yeah, I, I would. I think we could both agree right now, or at least I think we could, that this was the biggest win for Dan Mullen. And I think that this is the one that, you know, we talk every year, you know, Florida – has improved. They continue to kind of climb up that ladder. They continue to get some more. Uh, they just continue to take the next step in the program. But where's the win that just completely blows the roof off and just shows that, you know, Florida's here. Florida's going to continue to take that next step. And I think that this was that first real win. The Auburn game was great last year. It changed a lot of different dynamics for Florida. It was a big win. Um, it, it did a lot of things in the right direction. But I feel like this is that big win that Mullen can put his signature on and really continue to show that, you know, Florida is going to be one of those teams that's going to compete for SEC championships, going to compete for national championships. I think that that was the one that you can really put that bow on for Dan Mullen. And I think this is his biggest win to date since being at Florida. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. Let's, let's shift gears a little bit because there's one guy that we need to talk about. Kyle Trask at this point has to be in the Heisman conversation. 474 yards. That was just eight shy of Tim Tebow's school record against Cincinnati in that Sugar Bowl, his final game as a Florida Gator. Four touchdowns again, the only person in SEC history now to throw for at least four touchdowns in five consecutive games. The pace he's on, Blake, from a statistical standpoint is just absolutely absurd, even with a 10-game season. He's got a chance to break some Florida single-season records, even in a shortened season. Uh, I, I, I want to get your take just on, on how ridiculous this stretch has been for Kyle Trask. And Blake, I mean, where is he at in your, your, your Heisman rankings right now? I mean, he's definitely up there. You know, I, it's it's Trevor Lawrence is obviously a really talented guy. Hasn't played some of those games this year, just in, in the simple fact that Kyle Trask has. Mac Jones is doing a lot of good things at Alabama. But I, I think Kyle Trask is I, – I think that what he's done – it just continues to impress me. And I think you see him continue on a week to week basis. I mean, you expect him, you know, we have subscribers on swamp 24 seven that are, you know, even talking about the Arkansas game this week, pits or no pits in the game or not. They expect Kyle Trask. Now, I mean, it's expected for this guy to throw four touchdowns in a game, if not more. So I think when you have that kind of expectation, you look at what Dan Mullen can do for quarterbacks. I think that Kyle Trash should squarely be in the mix for the Heisman conversation. Justin Fields is another guy, too, that's just going to do – he's going to do a lot of good things at Ohio State. But I think when you look at what Kyle Trask is doing, being compared to, you know, the Rex Grossmans, the Tim Tebows, those kind of big-time quarterbacks that Florida has had over the years that have been in those Heisman talks and have won Heisman trophies um, – I think it's really impressive. And I think Kyle Trask is definitely one that is deserving for that conversation. Now, I think that he's one that has, you know, most people that watch college football have thought that Kyle Trask needs to be in that conversation. He's one that has done a lot of good things. I don't know that he's really gotten that, that national media type recognition, except for this until now, until this Georgia win. And I think that putting a win like that, the numbers he put up against one of the better sec defenses, I think that now, I think it's time to really see that ramp up on a national level, the, the Kyle Trask-Heisman talk. Well, I think it will, because anytime you're, you, you put yourself into that SEC championship conversation, 
you know, all eyes are going to be on Florida for the next, I mean, here's the crazy part, Blake, they're through the Georgia game and pretty much everybody is saying it would be a shock for Florida not to end up in Atlanta at this point. I mean, they've still got five games to play. Sure. And the schedule definitely, it, it favors Florida because now you've gotten really over that quote unquote hard part of the schedule. I mean, every game you have to come out and you have to prepare. You can't overlook anyone, but man, I mean, Kyle Trask is doing any types of numbers and what we thought was going to be the harder part of Florida's schedule. It's pretty scary to see what he can do. Now we, what we would see is, you know, kind of the easier kind of part to finish out the season. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be really interesting. And you know, the, the thing to me, I was going back and watching through the game, which I do every week on swamp 24 seven for our VIP subscribers. I go through play by play and kind of look at what's going on. You know, where, where was the breakdown? Was it offensive line? Was it the receivers? Contrast through a pick six in this game. Um, I, I know the broadcasters pointed it out right away, and, and, and I kind of caught it right away as well. But it, his pick six was, was a route bus. I mean, Xavier Henderson, I don't think, is supposed to be running that route to carry his guy right into, you know, where Kadarius Toney was and where Kyle Trask was trying to throw. So, you know, even the interception that Trask threw was probably not on him. And then you, there, there was actually another one that, you know, really had fans holding their breath in the fourth quarter when Florida's kind of up. I believe they're up 13 at the time and, and, you know, had had a couple struggling offensive drives where they couldn't quite punch it in, you know, definitely weren't quite as sharp without Kyle Pitts. And then all of a sudden Kyle Trask throws this one ball that my goodness, it could have easily been a pick six. And then all of a sudden you have a completely different game. You have an energized Georgia. If you go back and watch that play, I'm pretty sure that was a route bust too, because you have Trayvon Grimes, you know, Florida's got three receivers to the left. Trayvon Grimes is the outside guy. He's running an in route. Well, Jacob Copeland is the receiver just inside of him. He ends up running a curl, which brings him right back into exactly where that in route is running. You've got two receivers with two defensive backs right in the area now. That, to me, I, I would at dollars to donuts that that was a route bust on somebody. And even if you watch Kyle Trask, he kind of hesitates, looks like, you know, he's seeing something that he's, he's like, uh-oh, but he gets rid of it anyway because he's already kind of mid-throw. You know, I think that play is almost impressive to me in the sense that Kyle Trask you know, you want to see how the, how the play develops, but he was kind of anticipating, you know, he, he's got that route chart in his mind of where his guys are supposed to be. And he's, he's so good at those timing throws um, that, you know, even though it looked like a bad, it looked like a really bad play and it could have been disastrous. I, I pin the blame for that one, probably more on the receiver running the wrong route. So he's just been, I mean, he's been on another level. I think the one thing, and I think you brought this up at one point on a previous podcast, maybe the one thing that hurts Trask the most is he's such a, He's such a nice, quiet guy in an interview setting. You know what I mean? Like he's not, uh, he's, and don't get me wrong. He's great. Like I love him from an interview standpoint. He's a super, super nice guy, but he's just not, he's not necessarily a flashy personality. Right. And I think actually Saturday was probably the most revved up we've seen him, you know, just in terms of how animated he was, how pumped he was to beat Georgia. Um, I think Florida's players are feeding off that man. I mean, I, th I just think this is a team that knows what it's got in Kyle Trask and you see all the former players chiming in you know, Tyree Cleveland and Freddie Swain and Van Jefferson all, all wishing them on. I think Florida's got something really special. You know, we talked about it. If not this year, then when, when you've got that kind of a quarterback, these kind of answers on offense against a, a really good Georgia team. Well, Florida went out and did it. And now, you know, Blake, they've got, they've got five games to prove that they can clean up enough things to, to go out and be competitive with Alabama. You know, and I think it's just it's it's the story has been played out at this point. But when you look at just Trask getting the Heisman talk, you just look back to over his career of being you know a two star recruit, back up to Derek King, back up at Florida, and now you look at there. I, it just you had to be a guy that's as composed and as humble as him. 
you know, it has to feel really good to, you know, know that the, the road that he's had to travel to get to this point. And these are the type of stories that you want to see these type of outcomes. You want to see these guys have this type of success. You want to see them get that Heisman talk. I mean, he has to be on cloud nine here. And I mean, obviously he's going to keep himself grounded. He's going to keep his, you know, his eyes on the prize there. And Dan Mullen's really good at keeping the focus for his team, but it's just, it just makes that story so much sweeter for him knowing that, you know, all the, all the trials and tribulations he's had to have. And obviously these are the type of outcomes you want to have in these kind of stories. Well, Blake, I certainly hope we get to see Kyle Trask this weekend. There is a lot of news happening in the SEC, even as we're shooting this podcast. Uh, two different programs have now reported COVID-19 outbreaks. It, it looks like the Auburn at Mississippi State game has now been postponed until that December 12th window. So a lot of things happening. Arkansas head coach Sam Pittman has tested positive for COVID-19. So Blake, Let's take a quick break. There's a lot to unpack on what has been a wild Monday so far in the SEC. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back to update you guys with all the latest. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, we talked about it just before we went to commercial break. A lot of COVID-19 news happening. Uh, you know, obviously, there have been pretty significant spikes in a lot of areas across the country. It looks like, unfortunately, we're starting to see them in the Southeastern Conference. And I know we've talked about it previously when Florida had their outbreak. It's kind of starting to feel like options are going to be really, really limited for the SEC. I mean, you know, I, I want to say that last weekend that the SEC held open, there's now three games already scheduled in it. So the league's starting to come up against it when it comes to fitting these games in. Mentioned it before the break, but Arkansas coach Sam Pittman is now tested positive for COVID-19. Blake, you have to worry about the spread. You know, there were pictures of Pittman celebrating with his players in the locker room after the game. Uh, I think most of the time he had a mask on, so I, I certainly am not trying to critique anything there. But uh, – I mean, Blake, you got to worry about the spread at Arkansas at this point, right? No doubt. I mean, it, it, it's not something to sit there and nitpick on, but it is something that brings up a logical question to where, you know, is there going to be any kind of spread? How is that going to affect the team? Obviously, Florida doesn't have that luxury that some of the other teams have of moving that game to that December 12th weekend because Florida's already had to move their LSU game for that weekend. So, you know, I, I believe Barry Odom is the interim coach for, Flo or for, excuse me, for Arkansas that weekend. So, I think at this point you have to get a grasp on things. You obviously they're going to do their, their their testing like every team does weekly, and you know you just have to hope for the best at this point because I I just don't know logistically how that's going to work for Florida having already moved that LSU game. Well, I think more than anything, the next twenty four to probably thirty six forty eight hours are going to be really key. I would imagine that you know most of the teams in the league are probably going to do exactly what Florida did once they started getting those positive results back on on that from those Sunday tests. They're going to start going to daily testing, right? And so you know, these next really 24 to 48 hours are going to be really, really important 
to see how big the outbreak is, whether or not it's something that, you know, the league can shuffle around. Um, I, you know, again, so much of this is breaking literally as we're shooting the podcast that I don't even have the schedule kind of, I haven't looked at the schedule yet to see if there's even an obvious way that you can move Florida, Arkansas around play, you know, have, have Arkansas basically use this as a bye week and then, and then have Florida, Arkansas play later in the season. Florida plays a new opponent this week. You know, and that's to say if we even have to worry about that. I mean, you know, obviously they're going right. to figure out things oh, from there. Oh, so, I mean, you know, exactly. And, and Dan Mullen said, you know, we've had false positives in the league in the past. I mean, Nick Saban tested positive and then turned out it was a false positive. So hopefully that's the case for Arkansas. And we're not having to worry about a bunch of players and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, at this point, I think, you know, the challenge is you're already, you know, you're in Monday of game week. There's a couple teams that are shutting down activities already for Monday. Now it becomes a, you know, can you even game plan? You know, if, if you do opt to say, Say you take uh, Kentucky, right, and, and play Florida-Kentucky now this week and then try to push Florida-Arkansas to the Kentucky week. Can you even get enough practice in and game planning in to, to have a functional game plan, right? Like, these decisions are going to have to be made pretty quickly, I think, by the league. And, uh, oh, yeah, there's a tropical storm out there right now that has the cone going pretty darn close to Florida so and, and Gainesville. So who knows? 2020, man. guys. It, it is 2020 to the max. Um, you know, I know Dan Mullen offered his, his thoughts and prayers to, to Sam Pittman and his family. And I think everybody in the league at this point, it just, it, there's a real sense of solidarity with the virus. I think, you know, everybody kind of understands that this is something that you can get through no fault of your own. You know, it's hopefully for, for most people so far, you know, we haven't seen a lot of hugely symptomatic cases, which knock on wood, that's, that's certainly a huge positive. Um, but at this point, and, and I forget which program, maybe you can refresh me. We do have a confirmed hospitalization of a college football player through COVID. I want to say Washington State. Um, don't quote me on that. I know. Well, I know sorry. Xavier Thomas was dealing with a lot too. I think that he was dealing with, from Clemson. He was dealing with things before the season. And I think I read somewhere that he really didn't even start feeling better until about week two of the season. So, I mean, that was another one too. So, and, and so obviously it's not, it doesn't affect the vast majority of people, but it's something that obviously everybody knows that they need to take seriously at this point. You know, we're still learning more about it. I know the, the SEC has dropped some of the uh, cardiovascular type tests following COVID positive results, um, depending on certain situations. But um, the, the bottom line is, I mean, you're talking about four SEC teams just this week now dealing with potential outbreaks and potential shifts around. So uh, Blake, at this point, I would say, you know, who knows if the Florida Arkansas game is played this week. And I'm not sure that we're going to know that, you know, you Don't know, you put next. that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. I, dude, I want to see it. I want to see Felipe Franks. I want to see Kyle Trask. I mean, we've been waiting all year for this. You know, as, as good as the Florida defense, I think, well, again, I go back to I don't know if the Florida defense was great this week or Georgia's quarterbacks were just that bad. Um, but Florida had some open receivers. And, look, Felipe Franks, he can hit the, he can hit the deep ball. So, I, you know, obviously we want to see that game played, and, and hopefully they can get this thing under wraps. Hopefully Arkansas – uh, best case scenario is, is it's a false positive for Sam Pittman, but in the event it's not, hopefully Arkansas is able to be very proactive. And um, I guess the, the real question mark though, is, you know, once you have two or three cases from a contact tracing standpoint, it's really hard, you know, and given the incubation period, it's really hard to not just immediately postpone. And I think you saw that with the, you know, this Auburn Mississippi state news that just came down. I mean, literally, I don't even think it was 45 minutes. I think when we were talking about the pre-podcast just before we got on. Yeah, I didn't even know. <laughs> just before we went on and got live, I saw the tweet that, you know, that Mississippi State 
was shutting things down today. And then literally not even 45 minutes later, that game's postponed. I think that shows and kind of illustrates the challenges with the contact tracing and, and even just having a po- couple positive cases. So, um, Blake, we may end up having to do an emergency podcast episode this week. I hope that we don't. I hope that we're here Thursday with our normal episode and we can kind of preview Florida, Arkansas, which should be a really compelling matchup. I mean, to be honest with you, Blake, and, and you can tell me if you disagree here, I think Florida, Arkansas is probably the toughest game left on Florida's schedule and, and maybe the team that for a lot of different reasons, maybe maybe presents the most threat to Florida before that SEC championship game. I would agree with that, and I think that's just predominantly Florida's end of their schedule was was compared comparably pretty easy to the beginning. Um, I think that you're going to have a guy in Felipe Franks who's going to come in there, and Dan Mullen said it on his tele, on his uh, conference today with the media that I mean he's going to come in and he's going to want to beat Florida. This is something that Felipe definitely wants to do. I mean. I'm sure there's no ill feelings, but at the end of the day, Kyle Trask took his position, is now getting all this Heisman talk. He's having all this success at Florida. And Felipe, not to sound mean, just sounds like a, you know, kind of a forgotten person when it comes to Florida. And I, you know, and I think that that's something that's definitely going to inspire him. He's going to come in and he's going to want to beat Florida. I think that Arkansas has definitely been in some games through their defense. I think Barry Odom's done a really good job um, here and there with their defense. I mean, they haven't been a completely perfect picture uh, for the most of the season. But I mean, this is an Arkansas team that, you know, before this season, I can't remember how many SEC games they lost in a row, but it was a lot. So I I think that Sam Pittman has done a really good job there. I think that, uh, you know, they're obviously still figuring things out. Um, But I think that this is, I agree with you. I think this is probably Florida's toughest game of their, the rest of their season going forward. Um, And that's if they continue to win things and, you know, obviously make it to Atlanta and and match up against Alabama. But I think this sort of is kind of the last a major hump, I guess, so to say, to that, you know, getting to Atlanta. And I think that Florida um, is going to, they're, they're going to be focused for this game. And, and I think you have to keep into, and Dan Mullen has done a really good job of keeping his team focused, but coming off of such a big win, which was Florida over Georgia this past weekend, you don't want to see any drop off. You don't want to see the team get complacent. You want to see them stay focused because it's probably easy to overlook a team like, like Arkansas. I mean, not to say you're overlooking them for the 0-5 Vanderbilt team. That's the next weekend. So I, I think that they're, Florida will will should be focused in this game, but I, I you know you just don't want to see any any kind of hangover from that what was such a big program win against Georgia this last weekend. Well, and if there's anything you worry about, it's that. I mean, you came off a very very physical Georgia game. You know, guys were going down left and right with injuries. We hadn't talked about it yet. Kyle Pitts is in concussion protocol. He may not play this week. You know, uh, this questionable the, right now as of questionable Monday. right now, but the, the protocol is pretty rigid in terms of right. what you have to do to come back. And I mean, and it's hard to really, I mean, you can't just, t- you know, it's, it's, that's something that you can't just, it, I think Mullen said this morning that, you know, it's not like an ankle, you know, it's, there's a lot of other little hoops to jump through for this. So um, we might not even know what's going on there for the next couple of days. Right. I mean, anybody that saw that hit, I think knows, you know, they're going to be cautious on that one. I mean, that's, that's ser- you're, you're talking, you know, hit to the head. That's, that's serious stuff. So uh, I guess, you know, I might as well provide the other injury updates. Stuart Reese is going to be questionable this week with that shoulder injury. And then uh, Jeremiah Moon. Um, He's I'm got a foot. Foot injury. Okay, that's what I thought. Uh, he is doubtful for this game. So Florida, again, not going to be at full strength. You're coming off, you know, that, that emotional win over Georgia. You're going to have a fired up Felipe Franks. If it's in the swamp, it, who knows, Blake? I mean, this tro- like we're dealing with so many different things right now. This tropical storm could get this game moved to Arkansas if COVID's not an issue. So, a um, lot, a lot of different question marks. We'll definitely be diving into that later in the week in terms of the matchup. Um, but, you know, I think overall Florida has to be feeling good about where it's at right now. You know, now it's just, I guess, a little bit of nervousness as you kind of wait for these next 24, 48 hours, seeing other games in the league postponed. 
Um, you know, th this, this is what 2020 is. I mean, we knew this was going to be the case from the start. Dan Mullen said it, the team that, you know, best handles the adversity and adapting to COVID-19 and all that is going to be the team that puts itself in the best position to win a championship this year. And for Florida right now, that means, frankly, not worrying about whether or not the game's going to be played. You prepare like it's going to be played this week, and you continue to go out and focus. And like Dan Mullen said today on his press conference, the Georgia game doesn't mean a whole lot if they come out and, and aren't prepared and work harder this week than they did last week. Arkansas is a team capable of upsetting Florida. And look, the bottom line is Florida has a two-game cushion in the SEC East, but their goals are bigger than that. Their goals are to compete for a national championship. And you've already got one loss on your resume. You want to compete for a national championship. That means you win every week at this point. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what develops over the next couple of days, Blake. But um, unless you got anything else, man, I think that'll do it for this episode of the podcast. And then, you know, whenever, whenever things happen, we'll, we'll come back. I actually do have one little thing to throw in there, and it's, it just shows you how big of a weekend last weekend was with Florida coming over, you know, with that win over Georgia. Florida landed a four-star commitment the Friday before that game and four-star offensive tackle Yusuf Mugerbill. Um, he had been seen as a lean to Florida, um, had seven schools in the mix. I, I think at the end of the day, this probably came down to Florida against North Carolina. He's from North Carolina himself. And when you look at the fence that Mac Brown has tried to put over the state of North Carolina, uh, you know, I mean, that's a guy that obviously they want to keep keep home. Six foot five, three hundred and four pound. Uh, he's a guy that will be able to move between that guard and that tackle position. I think right tackle is probably my guess right now of you know where you know, that swing tackle. I don't think he's a left tackle type. I think he's an interior guy that can move around there. Really smart guy, big on uh, academics. Florida being in the SEC was a big part for him. He was a guy that was offered, I think, uh, earlier this year, springtime ballpark there, was able to do a virtual visit with the staff. Later on in October, he came to Gainesville himself with his parents, wasn't able to meet with the coaches due to, you know, a dead period. And, you know, it's been going on since March. But he was able to get a layout of the campus. It's hard for guys to pick a school, and it's hard for parents to obviously sign off on their kids going out of state when you haven't seen places in person. So he brought mom and dad down in October, was able to tour around and see the sites. And he just felt like that was the place for him. He felt like Florida really fit him well. He really liked the coaching staff. One thing over and over he said through the process was that not only is Florida's staff really what stands out to him the most, but he's a small-town guy from Murphy, North Carolina. Not a big part, not a big area in North Carolina there. But he felt like that staff really related to him. He really felt like the staff related to the same type of high school staff he has. So, you know, I mean, Florida, at the end of the day, just checked all the boxes for him. So Florida is getting another addition to their offensive line. We talked about John Hevesy hitting on a lot of his evaluations. Tim Brewster was also a, a huge part in this. You know, his ties to North Carolina coming from UNC and Mac Brown's program. He was the one who was really pushing to get this offer started whenever it did continuing to build that relationship with coach Brewster get to know coach Hevesy which went really well and Dan Mullen was even involved here so a big win for Florida not only on the field Saturday but on the recruiting trail the Friday before and we talked about that offensive line man they're they're doing a good job already developing some younger guys you land a talented prospect like that again the future is really really bright in Gainesville but Blake you know it's a big was, weekend whenever we forget about a commitment <laughs> I know man I well to be honest with you I forgot about it because I, I was you know busy like closing my condo and stuff that day and uh the news popped right after I was you know or right when I was going to pick up the check which we have now secured so we're good to go secure the bag gotta secure it man but uh anyway all right guys that'll do it for the swamp 24 7 podcast we didn't do the five-star mailbag today because we haven't gotten a whole lot of uh feedback on those so if you guys want us to continue that, make sure you get those reviews in on iTunes. Uh, and we'll, with that, just drop us a five-star review. Ask us a question for the podcast that you want answered. 
on the on the next episode of the podcast and uh if we we continue to get enough of those we'll continue that as a segment uh but until thursday guys that'll do it for us unless there's an emergency episode of the podcast which knock on wood let's hope that doesn't happen but that'll do it for this episode of the swamp 24 7 podcast thanks for tuning in MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.